Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome to another episode of the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. This is Melissa Freidenberg in the Gross Point office. And today I have Shanna Sign Cameron, realtor with Sign and Monahan Realtors Real Living Gross Point. Welcome, Shanna. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. And Shanna was actually my realtor when we sold our house in the middle of the COVID pandemic. It was listed and then I wouldn't show it. And then then we did a video on my phone and all, you know, whatever had to be done. She never complained and got it done. But also, uh, I'm not the only one that thinks she's fabulous. She's uh, listed as our Detroit's top 5% of realtors in Metro Detroit for 2021, and also uh, number one realtor in Gross Point for 2021. So we're so happy to have her here. And uh, she actually comes from a family of realtors, third generation. Uh, it was your grandfather, right, that started uh, signing Monahan here in Gross Point? Yep, yep. He started, uh, but yeah, we started at uh, the corner of Eight Mile and Gratiot. And uh, so uh, he started, my father took over, and then uh, we are here today. So my brother is a broker uh, with Mark Monaghan. Started as Sign Realty, for those that might know that name. Okay, so it's sort of in your blood, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and I do, I did a little sleuthing on your website as well. And I love that you mentioned that a home sale is one of the most important financial decisions, transactions that people will make. And as a financial advisor, I love that because... I see it so often, people that make poor financial decisions when it comes to buying or selling a home and what that can do to your net worth and to your wealth in general. So I thought it was important to have you on here. And I also love just watching the real estate market and what's going on right now with this crazy market. It is a seller's market. So I wanted to have you on today to talk about buying a home in the seller's market, kind of some things that you can do. Um, to prepare yourself if you're looking to buy or sell a home, I guess, you know, if you have to sell your home and buy a new home, um, give us a little background on what's going on. It's a little crazy, right? It is. It is a fast market. It is a seller leaning market, certainly. Um, when people come, come to me or I, I would imagine go to any realtor and they say, hey, we're thinking of selling. And if they need to buy, my advice is don't sell until you find what you're buying because you will sell and you will sell quickly. Typically, you know, we're in a, a lot of multiple offer situations. And so for the sell side, it's, it's very active and um, typically a very good situation for a seller. So um, in, in that respect, I think it's very nice on the buy side, it can be difficult, it can be, you know, we're getting maybe a little bit of buyer fatigue, if, if they're out there, and they're competing, and they're competing often, and maybe not winning, quote, unquote, um, and or finding it difficult to obtain a house. It can be hard depending on their price point and, and uh, how many times they're having it, having to make offers before they're getting a house. 
So is, is it just low inventory? Is it COVID related? What, what's causing this? Uh, I think COVID may have driven a little bit of our, our lack of inventory. So the inventory is constantly refreshing. It's just, we have more buyers than we do sellers, obviously. So that's driving, obviously, obviously the inventory as far as it being lower. We were having a couple of things happen with the work from anywhere or work from home, sellers buying maybe even like-sized homes with different floor plans because we had homeschooling, we had people working from home, they needed a different floor plan. So you had that buyer entering the market. We had buyers moving back home. We had that buyer entering the market. We have the millennial buyers that are entering the market just in general as they normally would. And then we have the empty nesters that are making a change. So we had a lot of buyers entering the market. And I think that that was driving a lot of that shortage in inventory. So, you know, we just aren't having enough homes to maybe meet that quota. Maybe people just sick of their homes after being in it for so long. They just need a change. (laughs) True. You also have, you know, people would, you know, who would normally maybe even put on an addition are finding that the cost of an addition is so high just because of lumber costs and the inflation of that cost as far as building, finding a builder that can do it because they're so busy because there is a lot of construction going on with interest rates being so low, they can upsize for the same cost that they can make the addition. So they make that decision. So there's, I think there's just a lot of dynamic in playing with interest rates. Like I said, that interest rates being as low as they are, make a move very easy. And so it's maybe a perfect storm of making a move very attractive. And so that puts a lot of buyers in play. Yeah. Now, one of the things that sparked my um, text to you about recording this podcast was a mutual friend of ours. You just helped her, I should say, win a house, a bidding war uh, with a letter. And then I did see the Holderness family did a, a cute little video on buying a house in this crazy market with a letter. Um, So talk to me about that. So if there's a multiple offer situation, there's fewer houses than there are buyers available. How does that work? Well, you can, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to put yourself, you know, in a better position if you're competing. So, you know, the standard is, you know, higher, higher offer. Um, obviously cash is king. If you don't have cash and you're going to be mortgaged, then you, you need to set your, set yourself apart. So you can write a letter, tug at the heartstrings. There are sellers that will not look at a letter because they don't want to put emotion in play. So then you need to maybe get creative with an escalation clause. You can put an appraisal guarantee on the offer. Wait, go back to an escalation clause because I don't know what that means. All right. So an escalation clause is you can say, okay, I'm willing to pay you X dollars for your house. However, I know that there's going to be additional offers. So I'm willing to beat those other offers by, let's say, $2,000 more, but I'm going to maybe cap how far I'm willing to go on that offer or how high I'm willing to, to beat that next offer. And that's called a cap to that escalation clause. So if we want to put numbers to it, I'm bidding on a $500,000 house and I offered you more or over ask. And let's say I offered you 525 and I put an escalation clause 
and my factor for escalation is $2,000. And I said, I'm willing to escalate my offer, but my cap on that escalation is $560. So I'll beat any offer above $525 by $2,000, but I'll cap it at $560. So I won't go over $560. So if somebody came in at $540, I would pay up to $542 because my escalation factor is $2,000. So I'll go over it by $2,000, but I won't exceed $560. You're willing to beat the highest offer, but you don't necessarily want to pay that much unless you're pushed. That's why you write an escalation clause. So like if a house goes on the market, you accept a bunch of offers and then do you go back to all the people and ask for their highest and best offer or what is that? Well, if you're the listing agent and you have more than one offer, you typically call highest and best. And at that point, everybody is putting their best foot forward. So some people say, I'm willing to pay, I'm willing to pay you 540. That's it. My offer with the escalation clause is, will, is really saying, I'm willing to pay you 560 if you push me. Okay. I'd really like to pay you 525, but I'll, I'll pay you 2000 higher than your best offer up to 560. But if your highest is 540, I'll pay you 542. Okay. So the escalation clause is really a way of being like, I don't want to offer you 560, but like I would have pushed. Yes. Okay. It's kind of, yeah. It's saying, I really only wrote you five and a quarter, but I'm willing to pay you 560 if I'm pushed to that point. Okay. And then you can do things that are like non-financial. like Yeah. So other incentives are free occupancy. I could also offer to pay your transfer tax. I could offer to pay your title. I, you know, those are also, they're non-monetary necessarily, but they are real money. So your transfer tax is $8.60 per thousand. I can offer to pay that for you as a seller. Your occupancy, depending on what my buyer's mortgage would be, including their principal, but their interest taxes and insurance is typically prorated back to a day rate. So if I was giving you 30 days, that could be $2,500. So that's real money, yeah. right? And that's that's useful to a, to a seller because you don't know, do they need 60 days occupancy? That could be $5,000. Yeah. So. Now, as somebody who recently sold and bought a house, you know, I, I there's part of me, I think I'm probably one of those people that falls for the emotional thing. Like I want somebody to love and care for my house because I have memories there. And, but at the end of the day, what I really care about is the deal closing. Like I don't want to own two houses. So right. my number one thing when there's multiple offers is who's going to get this thing closed? Like who's going to actually go through with it and the financing is going to go through. So like yeah. what's something so, that says to the to the seller, like I have the financing, I have the money, like I'm not going to lose my job. The financing isn't going to fall through. I'm not going to change my mind. I mean, as a seller's agent, that agent's going to look at who's doing the lending and how much money down do they have? How much are they financing? And like I said, an appraisal guarantee right now is super popular. We're in, we are in an upper mobile market. And so an appraisal will come into play if you're financed. And so by, by offering what is called an appraisal guarantee, let's talk about a $500,000 list price. And let's say this gets escalated to $560,000. Let's say that's where it goes. So the buyer has now offered 60,000 over list. 
and we are going to now ask for an appraisal guarantee. So let's say we got a $50,000 appraisal guarantee. What that is, is saying, okay, we will guarantee 50,000 over the appraisal value. So anything when that appraisal gets done, okay, if the property appraises at 510 to 560, that buyer will guarantee that appraisal, regardless of where it comes in, they're going to go through with that purchase. And I know the importance of that because my office is located across the hall from a mortgage company. So I know what I've heard some rumblings about low appraisals and everything right now. When this market is hot and buyers are willing, you know, they're bidding up the cost of these houses. Sometimes the appraisal uh, companies have not caught up to what people are actually willing to pay for homes and they're appraising under what people are willing to pay for it. And then you could have a situation where a buyer will walk or the financing won't go through if the home appraises for less than the purchase price. price. Right. So appraisal has to match purchase price. It doesn't matter what they're mortgaging. It has to match the purchase price. So Or somebody has to come up with money to make it match. Correct. correct. So what you're doing is you're pre-negotiating that, that appraisal, potential appraisal shortage, right? With that appraisal guarantee, at least that in this instance, that 510 to 560. So anytime you can get at least some appraisal guarantee, you're giving some reassurance to that seller. Okay, listen, I've got some excess cash that I can throw at a shortage on an appraisal. I'm serious. I want this. You know, we're going to be here to work this out with you. So what I'm sensing here, if I could come together maybe on a theme, which is maybe having strong financials to back up your offer is probably one of the strongest things as far as coming in as a winning offer on a house, um, getting pre-approved, and then having that sort of extra cash cushion to either make a cash offer or to have some extra cash to put down for appraisal or just to have strong financials to kind of give you that winning edge over other buyers. Yeah. I mean, you you ultimately, as, as I tell any of my buyers, I'm like, listen, at the end of the day, you need to be happy about what you're doing. You need to be positive about it and feel good about it. And you need to do what is comfortable for you as far as your money and how this will fall out for you at the end of the day, payment, what it's going to cost you, obviously. But yeah, if you can offer some reassurances to that seller, whether it be an appraisal guarantee, um, some occupancy, um, obviously some solid financing if you're mortgaging, then that's going to probably win you that house. Some people are offering no inspection. Not a big fan of that. I think every house should be inspected. You know, inspections are important and they're there for a reason. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Talk to me about um, what are you seeing as far as length of time that houses are on the market? Because I know, as I mentioned, that that spoof on the real estate market was talking about, you know, houses going up and then having multiple offers by the end of the day. Are you, is that a reality? Yeah, I think there's, I think every price range is desirable right now. I think that there's just simply not enough houses for everybody still. Um, You know, a couple of days market and usually you're seeing them go pending and or having multiple offers. It depends on the seller as far as what their appetite is, as far as appointments, having people in their house and whether or not they want to go for, you know, two, three days to market and gather gather multiple, multiple offers, or if they're happy to have two or three offers and just take one. But um, typically, 
you know, you're seeing most houses go up and come down within, you know, two to three days, if not a week. And, and, you know, they're getting, you know, ask or better, if not close to ask. So in this particular market, I would say it's most important to work with a realtor in advance so that somebody is aware of houses that are coming on the market so that, you know, if you have a client looking for a four bedroom or three bedroom, two and a half bath on this particular street or this area that you are ready. So when this comes up or you hear of an agent in your office that has this listing coming up, you're ready. You're not going to find your house by the time it hits realtor.com at night when you're scrolling, it's kind of too late. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, without a doubt, be pre-approved before you even probably hit realtor.com or Zillow, but you want to be with a realtor. You want to be with a realtor that has access to some listings before they're hitting the market, before they're hitting coming soon. Those realtors are going to have access through their sphere of influence with their office, um, with, with the inventory before it's going to hit the market so that maybe you can get in there before that happens and at least have a have a heads up so they have a fighting chance. <laughs> have a fighting chance, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a uh, like I said. There's a lot of buyers that have a little bit of fatigue. They've offered you know three, four, five offers and are still looking. Um, it's a hard get right now. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Any final thoughts for people who are again thinking about this besides the Facebook posts? Let me know if you're thinking about listing. <laughs> oh my God, the dreaded Facebook post. I love that. I love it. And then there's like 50 realtors call me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Social media is not a bad thing. Um, No, just, you know, as I say to to most of my buyers, I'm like, no house is worth mac and cheese, right? Like don't overbuy and always stay within your budget. I think that, um, you know, you should always look at things like with perspective, like everybody comes to me with their wants. And I'm like, usually you buy a house and, you're going to give something up. I mean, we, you know, you never know what you're going to give up when you look at a house. Like you say, this is, I have to have X, Y, and Z. And usually when you walk in a house, you know, like this is my house and it may not have that first floor laundry, but you still love it and it's fine. So always go into home buying with an open mind in this market. It's a, it's a very quick market. So I will say, go into a house with an open mind, but make a very quick decision because you have zero time to think. Um, trust your gut and your instinct. I am a firm believer in that and uh, definitely have your ducks in a row so you can make very quick decision. And Yeah. And I know you're a straight shooter. That's one of the things I like about you. You don't say things just that people want to hear just for the sake of wanting to hear them. But um, in the past, you may have told people to sleep on it and think about it. And now you're like, I'll leave you for a few minutes in the kitchen. Think about it and tell me your answer in the driveway as we leave. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like HGTV, you know, when she, the people are like, Oh, we'll let you go inside. And then you come outside and then, yeah, it's like, like, what's your decision? Yeah. It's like, you get to make your decision now. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I'm so excited for you. I am excited about your awards that you won this year and it's well-deserved and I'm excited that you're busy. You're always busy, but especially now. And thank you so much for making time to be on this podcast. I hope that our listeners found this advice helpful. I'm going to link your contact information in the show notes, just in case people don't see the show notes so they can get a hold of you. They can email you at shannasigncameron at gmail.com. 
they can call you at 313-530-7705. And they can also follow you on Instagram at Shanna Sign Cameron. So I will link all of those as I, as I mentioned in the show notes. And thank you so much, Shanna. I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing this. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.